0: was Luke chapter 22, and we'll begin reading verse number 31. Luke 22 and verse number 31. The Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to to have you, that he may shift you as wheat. But I pray for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, The cock shall not crow this day, that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Father, I pray tonight or this morning in Jesus' name, God, that you would give us uh, the liberty and the vocabulary that we need this morning. God, I pray that we would not say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. But, oh, God, I pray that you'd be glorified. I pray that your Son would be magnified and the church would be edified. Lord, help us this morning, God, as we lift our eyes into the hills from which cometh our help. Our help cometh from the Lord. And, God, we're certainly reminded that without you we can do nothing this morning. I ask you, Lord, to help us receive with meekness the engrafted Word. And, oh, God, I pray that we'd see no man save Jesus only. And we'll love you and we'll praise you and we'll thank you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to draw your attention to verse number 32 here in just a moment, but when you think about this text, you're, uh, you're as I'm sure, uh, well, uh, well familiar with what is taking place here uh, in Luke 22, as the preacher has already mentioned this morning, and I'm sure many of you preachers have preached from this text a lot of times, but when you come to verse number 31, I want you to notice three people in this verse here. I see the Savior, first of all, as the Bible says, and the Lord said, and any time that Jesus begins to speak, or any time that he has something that he wants to say, I think that would be a matter of importance. Amen? And so there is the Savior here. And then there is Simon, as Jesus calls his name, not once, but he calls it twice. As he said, Simon, Simon. That tells me that what Jesus has to say to Simon is very important in Simon's life. Amen? He really wants Simon's attention in what he has to say. And so there is the Savior, and then there is... Simon, but then also we notice there is Satan. Amen? And any time that the Lord has something urgent that He wants to say to one of His servants, you can rest assured, the servant may not always be listening, but the ears of hell are always pointed toward whatever heaven would have to say to us this morning. And so Jesus is wanting to have a conversation with Simon here. And in this conversation, uh, there's three things that Jesus wants to uh, talk to Simon about. And one of them is what I would like to preach on this morning. First of all, we notice in verse 31 that the first thing that Jesus does in this conversation is that He points out His foe. Amen? As He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Amen? And so Jesus wants Simon to be aware of who His foe is. Amen? Now, His foe is not the brethren. Somebody say, Amen. It's not those that He is serving with. And when you take the disciples and you put them together, they were from all different types of walk of life. They had all different types of personalities. And they were different individuals as we all are. But we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Amen. And so our enemy tonight, or this morning, is not each other, but the enemy is Satan. Amen. And Jesus is always clear about that and he tells him he said satan desires to have you that he may sift you as we you know i got to think about that one day and i thought why in the world would god even allow his children to be sifted amen nobody in the old testament was more sifted properly than job and nobody in the new testament was more sifted properly than peter amen and these two men, when you think about their lives, they are different. Job was a very godly man as well as Peter, but we know that Job was one that didn't have a Bible, didn't have a preacher, didn't have a church, but he lived for God, amen? He feared God and eschewed evil, and he went through the great trials of affliction. Why would God even allow that? I think one of the reasons God would allow that is for this sake here in verse number 31, and that's to silence the devil, Amen? You remember after Job got uh, uh, sifted and everything that he went through there in chapter 1, and when he sat down in those ashes, remember what uh, uh, Satan told God? He said, if you take all these things away from Job, he said, what he's going to do is curse you to your face, amen? But when Job sat down in the ashes, I'm sure the devil sat down with him, and he was waiting to hear Job uh, uh, say something against God. He was also waiting for Job to probably brag on the devil, like a lot of people do, and say, well, you know, that devil's really giving me a hard time. But what's amazing in that text is that jo- Job never even mentions the devil's name. Amen? He don't say anything about the devil, but he says three times uh, he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away and blessed be the name uh, of the Lord. Amen? I kind of think Satan just slithered off somewheres because he got tired of hearing Job uh, talk about God and not about Him. Amen? And so He allows them to be sifted to silence the devil. And then because oftentimes those that have have suffered are oftentimes the greatest sympathizers. Amen? I think that's why we're sifted. It's so that we know how to sympathize with others. Like somebody already said, this brother said this morning, when he got to talking about somebody else going through a hard time, he was glad to know that he wasn't the only one. And I say amen to that, don't you? And so there's reason and then to subtract chaff out of our life, but he wants to point out his foe. The second thing he says here in verse number 32 that he wants to talk to Peter about is that he wants him to know that he's prayed for his faith. He prays for the faith of Peter. And then finally, this being our fault this morning, verse 33 in this conversation, he not only points out his foe and prays for his faith, but he predicts his failure. Because what's startling about this conversation is that Jesus has just said two very important things. He has pointed out the foe. He has talked about, He wants to talk to Him in verse number uh, 32 about the two most important things in the Christian life, and that's prayer and faith. Amen. But it's like Peter's not even really paying that much attention. He's not really listening. He says, look what he said in verse 33. He interrupts Jesus in this conversation. And he said, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. I mean, if Jesus just told you that the devil's after you, he wants to sift you, but I pray for you that your faith would fail not. And then Peter says, Lord, I know the devil's after me. I know he's on my trail, but let me just, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and death. You know what? Those are pretty, that's some pretty bold statements, isn't it? And when you think about this, the only one that really knows whether or not we're ready tonight or this morning is Jesus. And in that conversation, he said, I'm ready to go. I thought about when I first got called to preach, you know, you go out and you, you study, you pray, you labor. You know, for that you remember that first sermon that was a disaster, I'm sure, like mine? You get up and, and you've labored and cried and you pray prayed and you got 17 pages of notes and, and you preach about two minutes, amen? And you sit down and, and you don't remember what you said and it probably wasn't even right, you know what I'm saying? I mean, listen, uh, uh, but you know, then a little later down the road, you preach and, and God blesses you a little bit. And you know what? All of a sudden, you think you're... Billy Sunday and you're ready to go. Amen. you're not ready to go. It's like teenagers when they get their driver's license. Amen. You know what they want after their license? They want your keys to your car. Amen. They think they're ready to go. Peter thought he was ready to go. I'm ready to go to prison and to death. And Jesus shocks every one of them by predicting the failure of Peter. He says in verse number 34, he says, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day. Now, how would you like to get out of bed in the morning and say, God, I'm ready to serve you with all my heart. I'm ready to give you everything. God, I'm going to die on the battlefield. I'm going to serve you. Lord, I'm going to live for God until my dying breath. And God say, you're going to fail me today. I can see the brethren kind of back up off Peter a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> today he's gonna to fail. And it gets worse in that verse there, he said, Not only are you gonna fail me today, he said, but you're gonna fail me three times today. I can see him take another step away from Peter. You know how the brethren we are. I'm sure y'all are not that way, but you know how all them others are. One black <laughs> well, God don't work on a three strike system. Amen. 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 Peter don't just fail one time. He don't just fail two times, but three times in the same day, he fails God. And then, he tells him, it gets even worse in verse 34, he says, You're not just going to fail me today and three times, but you're going to fail me terribly. You're going to do the worst thing that a Christian can do. You're going to deny me. Now, if we was to hear that some preacher in this group was out drinking today, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? It'd be awful. I tell you, the worst thing that anybody can do is deny Jesus Christ. Peter didn't just deny him once, twice, three times in the same day. What really gets my attention is verse thirty-two, and it's what I want to preach on. Jesus tells him, He says, "Hi, but I've prayed for thee, and I've prayed that thy faith would fail not." I want to preach just a few minutes on the faith of a failure. The faith of a failure. Because Jesus, or Peter, is an absolute failure in this text. And I know we live in a day when we hear so much about success, don't we? Social media has brought in a, a false success. Everybody talks. Me and Pastor was talking about it in the night of supper. Everybody uh, talks about their successes. Nobody gets on there and talks about their failures. You don't read no post where somebody says, Well, you know, hardly nobody showed up today, and and the choir was off tune, and I had two members get mad, and I preached the worst sermon that I've ever preached in my life, and I don't even know if anybody will even come back tonight, and nobody responded to the invitation. Nobody posts them, do they? Isn't that right? Nobody comes to a preacher's meetings and says, Well, uh, you know, uh, uh, listen, we're just, I, I mean, our church is doing terrible. You know? You just don't show up if it's doing that bad, amen? Wait till next month or next quarter. People don't like to talk about failures. We don't want people to realize, uh, uh, you know, the things that we have have failed in, the things that we have, our blunders, our mistakes, amen? But I want to tell you, there's one this morning. He knows every failure I've ever had, amen? And I want to tell you, God is not impressed with our successes. And thank God He don't throw us away because of our failures, amen? I'm going to tell you, life this morning and ministry and serving God, it's not about how successful you are or how successful I can be. And it's not about, thank God, all the failures. If it was, I wouldn't be in it. Amen? I mean, that hurts our ego this morning. It hurts my ego. But I'm telling you, I just have to confess, I probably got a lot. They probably to it. I got more failures than I do. Successes. There's more times I've let him down. Amen? God don't bless us. Based on merit. He blesses us based on mercy. He ain't never done anything for me because I deserved it. He ain't never done anything for me because I earned it. He's never done anything for me because I accomplished it. I can raise my hand and say He sure has blessed me a lot of times because His mercies are new every morning. He, I'm a failure, but He is such a success. And when I can't, He can. And when I ain't, He is. And when I won't, He will. And when I'm not, He is. I'm just talking about He is a a faithful God that never fails. Amen. And this is what amazes me about this text, is that Jesus don't even pray about his failure. He don't even want to talk about Peter's failure. We talk more about Peter's failure than Jesus talked about Peter's failure. Now, don't think that he won't deal with his failure, because he will. You know the day comes in John 21 on the morning when He's on the shore and they they sit down by the the shore and the fishes and bread are there and then Jesus wants to talk about His failure. But doesn't He do it in a gentle way? Amen. Amen. I think so many times, and I understand people can disqualify themselves from the ministry. I hope you know I'm not talking about things of that nature. But what I'm saying is this morning is that we all have failures, but God is interested in our faith more than He is our failures. And I think about this. There's three things I want you to see in verse 32, and I'll be done, about the faith of a failure. Number one, I want you to see here that the faith of a failure, it must be prayed for. Jesus says, but I have prayed for thee. Jesus wants Peter to know that I prayed for you, Peter. But I've not just prayed for you generally, but I have prayed for something in particular in your life. I've prayed for your faith. Now think about the prayer life of Jesus. Anything and everything that Jesus ever prayed for, God answered. Isn't that right? He never asked the Father for anything that what the Father didn't grant it. And if you consider that this morning, you think about, here is Peter, and Jesus knows that Satan's fixing to come today. He knows that Peter's going to fail today. And Jesus has the ability to pray a lot of things in Peter's life that he could pray that would make Peter a success, but he doesn't do that. For instance, he could have prayed that Satan would just be out of Peter's pathway. He could have prayed the devil off of, uh, of Peter, uh, but he doesn't do that. I mean, I'll be honest with you, there sometimes I pray, God, that would you keep the devil off of so-and-so? Would you get the devil out of so-and-so's life? Would you keep him from coming in? I don't think that's a wrong prayer, but in the life of Peter, he does not pray that. He allows Satan to come in his life. Now, if I'd have been Jesus, I'd have prayed, Lord, keep the devil away from Peter today because he's not having a good day. He thinks he's one thing. In essence, he's really another. That's true about all of us. He's not the man he thinks he is. He's not the preacher he thinks he is. He's not as near as ready as he thinks he is for what he's about to face. I would have just said, Lord, remove him. He don't even pray that. If nothing else, I would have prayed this for Peter. I've prayed this for other people. I'm sure you have too. God, would you let Peter succeed? Would you let Satan lose and would you let Peter win? Would you let Peter stand tall and Sam stand strong? And in that hour of decision, that hour of darkness, would you allow Peter to, to be the man that he's supposed to be? Lord, I know he's not as ready as he thinks he is, but God, would you give him that strength? Don't you think if Jesus would have prayed either of those prayers, God would have answered them, but he doesn't, he just lets him fail. He's not even praying about his failure. He's praying about his faith. I want to tell you this morning, I know men, and I'm sure you do too, their success has been their demise. The failure of their success is what's destroyed them. Their greatest failure is their accomplishments, their accolades. It's become their testament, their trophies. They pride themselves in them. And I want to thank God for everything. I, I'm not priding in failure this morning. I hope you know that. I don't want to fail. I want to succeed. I think you want to succeed. I don't want to get to the end of life and not accomplish anything for God. I want to accomplish some things for God. But I'm telling you this morning that when Jesus prays, uh, He's not praying for our failure. He's not praying for our about our success. He's not even praying Satan out of our way. He's praying about our faith because the faith... of a failure must be prayed for Jesus was more interested In Peter's faith Than anything else I'm going to tell you He's more interested in our faith You know this morning We have a way of measuring life Our ministries By successes and failures but I'll tell you what really defines us as a, as, a, as a preacher As a Christian whatever However we want to claim it today Is how do we respond To in both of those categories. When we succeed, do we feel wonderful? Or do we risk going operating in faith? Knowing that it was God that did it. And when we fail, do we hold our head up and go on? And know that it's all in the plan? I'm not a Calvinist. Please don't think that. No, there's not even one inch of Calvinism in me. Amen. But I do believe in the providential hand of God. I believe God is sovereign, that in spite of me, not because of me, but in spite of me, he's able to do what I cannot do. And if anything gets done, he'll have to do it. He'll have to give the ability. I'm gonna tell you this morning. I cannot promise you. I, listen, my wife. I know she prays for me every day. I pray for her. And there's some people that that I know they pray for me. I know my children pray for. My church prays for me. I'm sure you could say that same thing. Your spouse prays for you. Your children pray for you. I'm sure you could say that your church prays for you. But you know what? I can't promise you that at whatever time it is right now that they have prayed for me. There's no guarantee. Something could have happened. You men of God pray for your members, but you know as well as I do, sometimes you're up or extra early to the hospital, and sometimes you got to come home and do some praying. There's no guarantee as to who, if anybody, Has even prayed for you this morning, or me. There's a guarantee that there is one. There is one. I don't know. My wife may have prayed for me by now. I'm sure she probably has, but I wouldn't put my life or her life on the line about that this morning or my church this morning. I'm sure they have, but there is one this morning that I can guarantee you. He has prayed for you. He has prayed for me. He has prayed for every one of us. It's not just once. He said, Preacher, how do you know that? Because the Bible says He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and it's." His ministry is a prayer ministry and his motive is that He would pray for me and He would pray for you. We are constantly on His mind. And the only reason that I'm still where I'm at this morning is not because of me, but because there's somebody at the right hand of the Father that gets every prayer He's ever prayed answered. And in spite of my failures, He has prayed for my faith. Amen. Amen. Say secondly, not only... Should the faith of a failure be prayed for? He said, I prayed for thee. But notice, the faith of a failure not only must be prayed for, but it must prevail. He said, I prayed for for thee. Now notice this, that thy faith fail not. Jesus says, Peter, I'm praying for you, and I'm not just praying for your faith. But I'm asking something in particular about your faith. And that is that it would not fail. I want to tell you, the faith of a failure must be prayed for. But the faith of a failure must prevail. Jesus knew that when Peter's flesh was falling all to pieces... That when his flesh was not what it was supposed to be, and let's just be honest, there are days and a lot of days that our flesh falls apart and that it's not what it's supposed to be and what it ought to be. The flesh will fail you, Amen. But Peter said, hey, or, but Jesus knew that when Peter's faith or his flesh was falling apart, He knew there was a part of Peter that could not fail, that would not fail, because He had prayed for that, and that was His faith, Amen. Let me just illustrate it like this: How many of us in ourselves we know? You know, I've never figured this out in ministry. Maybe you can help me. There has been times when I have labored a sermon, and I have I've, I've spent hours. You know, we all have, and get all fired up in the office. Can't wait to preach it. Preach it seven times before Sunday gets around. Come in here, I mean guns ablazing, ready to preach. Mount the pulpit, and it just goes flat. Amen. Y'all ever had that happen? Nowheres. And I'd go away from scratching my head and God, I prayed, I studied, I did everything I could. And I mean it was the deadest sermon that you could ever preach. And then there's been times I didn't have so great of a week. I don't I, don't, I hate to talk about this. It's probably one sermon I can't stand to preach. But I, there's there's weeks where I'm just, you know, I wasn't a very good Christian failed God busy. You know how the ministry will push you? Hospitals, things like that. Things happening, and, and so I didn't get to pray like I should have. And I didn't get to study, but I really didn't get to study like I was supposed to study or like I think I should have studied, you know. And I, I got up that morning and I just had this little thought and had this verse and, and it just looked so weak and so flimsy. And I went to the pulpit and I said, God, if anything happens at all this morning, you're going to have to help me. And I've apologized to him and I've said, Lord, you know this week was super super busy that I wasn't off on the golf course. I wasn't off hunting. And I'm not against some things, but Lord, I really was just pushed and pushed and pushed. And, and God, I don't I don't really expect anything to happen. You ever been like it? And then out of nowhere, heaven comes down glory fills this this house and people get saved and, and you get in a car and when your wife says man that was a great sermon amen you know that was a great sermon if she tells you that and she says where did you get all that and I say I didn't get it from nowhere so I, I scribbled down something on a piece of paper and uh, I could never preach that again if I tried she, she probably would say amen to that and you know what uh, you say where what happened I'll tell you what happened friend uh, uh, Somebody prayed for your faith. You went to the pulpit, not trusting in the flesh. The flesh had fallen apart. But your faith is what helped you to keep on going. Amen. Amen. What about when all hell's come against you? What about when you don't even know if you're supposed to be at that church anymore? What about when you don't see God working and moving? Or maybe one of your children has blown out in your homes, struggling, and you can't tell them you got two or three people running around, you know, with a magnifying glass on your family, and you're just trying to hold it all together. Yes. And the devil says, well, at any point you ain't try to preach. But you get up and preach anyway. Amen. What about all the Sundays you preach and you have failed, but yet you go back another service? You preach another sermon. Why is it when we preach a dead sermon we don't quit? Why is it on a Sunday when... Two families walk out. We still go back the next Sunday. Why is that? You know what that is? That's your faith. Why is it when you, you know, you've you've made a mess of things? Oh, we could talk about success, but it don't really help nobody, does it? stand up here and talk about accomplishments. You know what that's going to do? That's going to make anybody that has failed at anything feel bad. And it's going to make other people envious. I don't have anything much to to brag about or talk about, if anything at all. I'm talking about men are good about elevating their successes. Jesus, if He wants to talk about anything, it'll always be the failures of the flesh. But I'll tell you why, my friend, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've failed God. There have been a lot of Sundays they weren't golden Sundays. But I'll tell you, something kept putting me Back in a pulpit. Something kept bringing me back to the house of God. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's faith. Amen. The Bible said, A just man. You ought to underline that. Proverbs said, A just man falleth seven times. But that's not the end of the verse. He riseth up again. Amen. I got two problems with that verse. How is a man fallen that much? Seven times. You know, that's seven days in a week. How's a man fallen that much? How can he be just? How can a man's always fallen on his face? How could God say he's just? I'm going to tell you how. The just don't live by success. Amen. 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 Just don't live by accomplishments and popularity and all the things that's attached to the ministry that's sucking the life out of it today. I'm going to tell you, the just only live one way. And it's the only way we've ever been able to live. And the just live by faith. Amen. I'm going to tell you what gets that old boy up when he falls again and again and again. It's that faith that Jesus has prayed for, though his flesh has fallen. And we know it's not the last time he's failed, but he's going to get right back. Back up again, amen. amen. Let me ask you a question. We're in the, getting close to the end of this year. If I was to take a poll this morning and ask around this room, how many people in this room would raise their hand and say, I've not faced the devil in 2019? I doubt that any hand would go up. If I was asked around this room, how many people this morning in this room has lived 2019 and you've not failed God this year? Not one hand's gonna be raised. If they did, we knew they're lying. Isn't that right. Then why are you still here? What keeps you coming through the door? What keep brings you back to another fellowship when you fought the devil? If I was to ask how many of y'all think you won't fail God in 2020, there'll be no hands raised there neither. Well, if you know you're gonna fail. You say, well, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. But we will fail. And our very best, that's what we are. We're good at failure. Is that right this morning? We're just good failures. We're not good at a lot of things, but we're good at failures. You say, well, if you're if you going to fail God again and again, then why do you just keep on doing it? I just tell you, I can't really put it all into words, but it doesn't matter how much I fall on my face. It doesn't matter how many bad sermons I preach. It doesn't matter how many times I fail. There's something on the inside that keeps pushing, that just says go on another mile, sing one more song, preach one more sermon, knock on one more door, pass out one more track, give it one more shot. i tell you what that is. That's not me. But that's somebody up there that has prayed for my faith. And although my flesh may fall apart, my faith just keeps on going. Amen. It must be prayed for. It must prevail. Then let me give you this last thought with Ruth. The faith of a failure must be profitable. Shocking what Jesus says in verse 32. He says, when thou art converted, look what he says here. Strengthen thy brethren. I'm going to tell you, that's amazing to me. Because obviously the faith of this failure must be profitable. Jesus saw something in Peter that Peter couldn't see in himself. He saw something in Peter that the disciples could not see. All they could see was that flesh standing tall. Lord, I'm ready to go to prison to death. Jesus looked beyond that flesh and He looked in that heart. And He saw the only good thing in Peter's life, and it was the very thing Jesus said. The only reason it was good was because Jesus prayed for it. He saw the one thing that would hold when everything else fails. And He says, when you're converted, He said, I want you to strengthen the brethren. Now, this is what amazes me about this. Is that if you think about Peter, if I lined the 12 disciples up today, if they were standing here, if I was going to choose one to strengthen the brethren, I'm going to tell you who's last on my list. (laughs) It's the cusser. Somebody say, Amen. It's a guy naked on the boat. Somebody say, Amen. It's a guy that can't keep his mouth shut. He's last. If I was to ask you to pick one disciple that you would feel worthy to strengthen the brethren in the hardest times of life, I guarantee you we all have the same name in mind right now. It's the Beloved, isn't it? It's John. Pentecost, if I was choosing the preacher to preach the greatest camp meeting of all times, put his face on the poster, his name come here, it would not be Peter. Big John, one that laid his head on Jesus' bosom. I'm talking about he's the man. He's the one that's worthy. He's the one that needs to be the night preacher. He's the one that needs to be preaching the main service. John, he's your man. And I'm going to tell you what's shocking, is that whenever you look in the Gospels, four times the, the apostles' names are listed in the Gospels. And you know whose names tops the list all four times? It's not John's name, but it's Peter's name. Amen? And when they went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus chose three men to go with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it the Bible does not say John, James, and Peter. But it says Peter, James, and John. When they went in the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord's hour of darkness in His darkest time when He needed an inner circle to be there with Him, it was not John, James, and Peter. The Bible says it was Peter, it was James, and it was John. And on the day of Pentecost, the one that preached and 3,000 souls walked the aisle, it was Peter. Amen? I'm telling you, friend, the Faith of a failure must be profitable. For it was Peter that strengthened the breath. And I thought about that. I thought that just goes against everything we think. Let's find the worst preacher in the crowd. Let's book him for revival. You know why? Because I think if I think if John would have preached, here's what we'd all said. I would have said it. Well, no wonder 3,000 souls got saved. Look who was doing the preaching. I mean, look who they had. I mean, I can tell you why. There was a Pentecost. You got John doing the preaching. And what about John being man enough that he sat over there and didn't even get mad? Because they had a cussing preacher (laughs) preaching. I've been around a few cussing preachers. Amen. John didn't sit over there with his arms folded and say, well, why is he getting to preach? Why is he booked for the camp meeting? I mean, he's a, he's the biggest failure of all of us. Uh, does not any of you brethren remember he denied the Lord? Uh, he's the one that he he said he was ready to go to prison and death, and he couldn't even make it till the end of the day. Uh, I mean, when the heat got on him. I, I mean, but John wasn't that way. Peter stood up, and I'll tell you another thing that shocks me: Peter blew that crowd out at Pentecost for the very thing he did. Amen. He said, "You've denied the Lord of oh, glory."
1: What about that?
0: You know why? You know the difference between them two? Peter denied him with his lips. But he never denied him with his heart. That crowd said, Lord, Lord, with their lips. But their heart was far from them. You know why Peter went out and wept bitterly? Because there was a part of Peter that when everything on the outside had fallen apart, Still a part in here. I said, oh, you know who He is. If I could bring one of my daughters in. They're both grown now. Married children. and If I could bring one of them in. If they was to come in here this morning and stand up and say to you, this is why I don't think it bothered Jesus like it probably bothers us. If one of my daughters could come in here and they was just stand here publicly and point to me and say, Now, he says he's my daddy, but he is not my daddy. That man's a fake. He's a phony. I don't even know who he is. They might even get to the point where they convince some of you. Well, Maybe he's not who he's? They may be very convincing. If you saw a preacher, would that hurt you? Oh, it would hurt me. But there's something that I know. But you don't know. Amen. I know that no matter how much she says it, I know that she knows deep down that I am her father. Amen. And when Peter was running around telling everybody, because his flesh was falling all to pieces, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Oh, there was something rising up and said, Oh, yeah, you know who he is. You know him. You know exactly. He told you. Amen. I want to tell you, that's faith, friend. Amen. I want to encourage you. There's times we fail, God. But when we get to the judgment seat, God's going to pull out a, He's going to pull out a ruler that He's going to measure all of our lives and ministries by. And it's going to be one, it's going to be one ruler for every one of us. God's measuring stick of our ministry in our life is not our successes. And thank God it's not our failures. It's gonna about our faithfulness. What's he gonna to say to the man that pastored fifty? Same thing to the man that pastored five hundred. If he's been faithful, he's gonna say, "Well done." Not thou good and successful. Thou good and faithful servant. Some of the greatest men of God I know. They work. I could name you preachers. I preached for for years. They pastor in little small churches. They're bivocational. Bi- in a little town, one red light towns. They're never going to run more than 50 if they run that many. But there are a lot in that community. They preach the gospel and they've been faithful. And I don't know about you, but I'll thank God if one day I get to stand shoulder to shoulder with those men who have served God in the trenches. They've fallen, they've been bruised, and sure, I'm sure if they failed here this morning they'd tell you they failed. But their faith keeps them going.